Awesome. So I guess we'll hop right into it. So thank you so much for joining us on our journey. I'm very happy to be here. Come a long so way. 17. Um, That's awesome. So we're very excited. I know we've talked about it for a while, but it's finally that time. Yeah, man. I'm very happy to be here for sure. So thanks for inviting me. Thank of course, you, man. Yeah, and accepted the invitation. So Absolutely. for those that don't know who Boyce is, give us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm just a student right now, full-time student. Bit different uh, to say to say that I used to work now I'm a full-time student, but I'm at St. Mary's um, doing uh, honors in economics and finance as well. Um, like that's right now, I pretty much define myself as a full-time student, but just one step, right? Mm -hmm. We're gonna dig a little deeper into the steps you <laughs> took beforehand to get sure. you to this point, right? Yeah, okay. So. Take us back, man. Where are you from, first and foremost? So I grew up in uh, rural Labrador, small community, 350 people or so. No cell phone service still. Oh, yeah, still. Still. Uh, no pavement, gravel roads, you know. I grew up in quite isolated, but I wouldn't change that for sure. So I was there, graduated high school, joined the military, went and did my training in Quebec, was out in BC for my trade training out in Victoria. Got posted out here to Halifax. Mm -hmm. This has been home ever since. This is home. Now. This is home now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you found that point in your life, man. But back in back in Labrador, being isolated like that, um, what was it like growing up there? Who were your friends? Did you and did you have any uh, role models? Yeah, we were tight net. You know, I graduated high school with the same uh, eight people I graduated kindergarten with, right? Mm. We had uh, one other person join us. Um, so we're tight, right? Tight community, small. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody, every vehicle waves, everybody tight doing them. Mm -hmm. um, role models for me, again, were my parents, my mom especially, for sure. I'm mom's boy. Uh, oh, my man, me too. Yeah. Uh, this whole time, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, my mom's great. And uh, my Aunt Louise and my Uncle Boyce were, were big role models too, hence, my name, Nina. Rest in peace. He passed away uh, last in 2016. Uh, good man. So he's still the reason why I try so hard now. I can still hear him. So that's why I work as hard as I do. So, and this is what I want to get to the root of is your work ethic and your mindset, right? So you. You mentioned briefly, and then we know a little bit about your history. You know that you joined the military early on when you mm -hmm. were young, right? So kind of taking us through that progression um, of voice. First of all, what did your uncle and your role models kind of instill, as you, instill in you as a kid? What, what were your kind of guiding principles? Mm -hmm. And how did that help you um, in your mission when you joined the military? Well, growing up, as a, again, my mom was probably my biggest influencer, right? Um, she was the head of the household. She and she instilled. I think the the main thing, like you know, she would say you have to work hard, you have to do well, yeah. Uh, but the main thing is, she really gave me the freedom, and that's probably something growing up in a small community, right? At a young age, I was very independent. I was playing with my friends, you know. Uh, in a small community, everybody knows everyone. You don't have to be too worried about a lot of things growing up in an urban uh, area, but. It was just try it and 
you can always do it. Right? There's no there was no failure, I guess. Right? Mom was just like, if you don't achieve what you want to achieve, it's not necessarily failure. It's just you know, that's one way of learning, right? Mm -hmm. So I took that in with me, and I, I've always just been curious, question thing. I'm a lifelong learner, right? Uh, and I want to travel, man. You, you grow up in a town of 350 people in the middle of nowhere. You want to see the rest of the world. So. Mm -hmm. And what did seeing the rest of the world, what perspective did you did that give you? I mean, I think one of the things, like, those, the, the most... Uh, like the biggest realization that I had is that we're, we're all pretty much the same, no matter, like I've traveled all around the world, right? Uh, I've been to six out of the seven continents, Antarctica someday. Um, but people, I think we're all just, you know, we want love, right? We want to provide for our families. Uh, we want to have the ability to, to do something and make a change. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've noticed for sure. And coming from a small town where uh, you know, we, I didn't see a lot of the world, didn't see a lot of diversity, right? To getting out and just every stereotype that I thought about kind of just disappeared. You know, we're all just human. Um, before we get into the travel experiences, because I know I want to hear more about that as well. Um, you mentioned the difference between a smaller community and uh, larger urban communities. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk about some of those differences that you may have noticed? Like, I come from this small town, like I said, we waved every vehicle. Mm -hmm. When I first moved, so I, I moved to Dakarate, uh, Quebec to do uh, basic training and then I went up to Victoria, BC, and Victoria's not a huge 400,000 or so, but still, at times, random cars come down the street, and I'd be like, nope, I don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just things like that. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think I'm a quick learner, and um, like one of the things that, that's strange is my mom said something like, I live in a, a, a bigger like apartment building, and I really, I don't, know half of my neighbors on my floor right and back home it's like just everybody knows everyone mm. so it's and, and everyone for the most part is polite and uh and i'm not saying they aren't in the city it's just you don't know people uh like you know i have probably a couple dozen close friends and but whereas back home i had probably 50 or 60 mm. i would consider close friends right so i think have my better connections with the fewer friends that I have here. Um, whereas back home, I was just like, oh, I know I'm going to see so-and-so next week. or. Mm -hmm. so, but that's why like social media and stuff like that's been good for keeping in contact with my friends back home. Um, because a lot of them are still back home. Uh, and a lot of them went to Memorial University. So I think just those connections, the friends that I had, uh, and I always try and befriend somebody. Like that's how, how kind of it was back home, right? If there was somebody new coming in, uh, everybody went to them. <laughs> Where are you? Tell us about yourself, type deal, right? So I, I still I still do that from time to time. I find everybody I talk to, you know, 
everybody knows something that I don't, and I can learn from that. So, absolutely. Now, what did taking us into your time serving in the military mm -hmm. is by no means a quick story. Mm -hmm. But can you kind of take us where your mind was when you first started out and you started seeing the world and the military for what it was? Um, man, I was just, I was just a young kid ready to take on the world. And, uh, How old are you, sir? I'm 29 now. 29? Yeah. And when you joined, you were? Uh, 18. 18. Yeah. Okay. So, everything, everything was a new experience for me, right, at that point. And, uh, I was just so excited. I'm still excited. I'm always excited for the next thing, right? Like back then, I was excited. It was scary, but I still enjoyed it, man. Uh, I the best thing from that going from my small town and then going to like uh, Quebec, to where I didn't know anybody, and doing uh, boot camp and stuff like that and every day was just out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. right so i think i got not used to it still not used to it still even a little bit un uncomfortable speaking in front of cameras and stuff right but that's that's where the growing happens and that's one of the biggest things i think i've taken away from that mm -hmm. is just be comfortable being uncomfortable it's cliche that sounds but Absolutely. And Dre, I can feel you coming up, man. I can feel you. That's why I'm trying to get all these questions. I can see it too. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I guess uh, before we switch it up, the question that I have for you, you know, after saying that is, it's almost like a mindset, I guess, you know, that you have to put yourself in when, in your, when you're uncomfortable. You know, oh, when you step sure. outside your comfort yeah. zone. So how did you cultivate that mindset? Is there something that you do? You know, you speak in front of cameras. Do you, you know, monitor your breathing? How do you calm yourself down, bring yourself to that common ground level? Like, I would always um, visualize things going the way I wanted it to go, what that would look like, how it would feel. Uh, and I knew that if, you know, a friend of mine, like, said to me a while back, it was like, uh, it'll all be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end, right? So, just... Preparing myself to know that, listen, I'm not feeling really comfortable right now, but that just means it's not the end, and it will get better. And once you do that repetitive, right, it just, I get, it's a mindset, I guess, it's a, it just becomes second nature. And you trust it. Yeah, you have to, for sure. Mm -hmm. You have to just put, throw everything out there, you know, take some risks, and it will work out in the end. And so if it doesn't work out right then, yeah, it's not the end. Mm. So I mean, oh, hey, hey, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you for welcoming me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, so in that, I mean, you are talking about a mindset, right? You're talking about yeah. the, the, the growth mindset in a, in a big way. For sure. Um, where you're, you're getting comfortable or more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because mm -hmm. it's a reality. I mean, stuff is always changing. Yes. Um, and as a society or culture as a whole, we're constantly chasing that. Yeah. Um, and you know what you're talking about is the, the other side. We're fighting that constant chase or that constant run mm -hmm. with trying to be grounded. Yes. And more often than not, we're caught in between. Um, and, you, and you've been through a lot of transitions, not just leaving your, <clears throat> your community, excuse me, but 
military and then transitioning from post to post, kind of, you know, province to province. Every province has a very different feel. Every community has a very different feel. And then coming to St. Mary's, you know, not in the same uh, boat as everyone else in the sense that I was also an older student when I transferred in here. Um, and so you have a very different mindset yeah. coming in than everyone else mm -hmm. because your focus is in a different place, your head, your mind is in a different place, you're in a different place. Yeah. Um, I'm glad it was that way though. I'm, uh, I feel I'm a much better student at uh, 27 when I went back to school than I would have been mm -hmm. at 19, right? So. so how have you used those transitions to really fuel your, your hustle or you know, your hard work and everything that you throw in yourself? Because you're, you're taking two degrees that a lot of people, just when they hear it, will shy away from. Mm -hmm. um, and you're very steadfast when you talk about what you're doing. Um, and your commitment to your process, not just education, because it's a step. Yeah. And you're, you're very grounded when you say that. Can you just talk about you know, where that comes from and, and some of the, the fire that you have in from there? Back when I was younger, one of the things that really drove me was like, if somebody didn't think I could do it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. proving them wrong was probably a big, uh, it was definitely a big thing for me, right? So that, that transition, like I've, made the transition from small community to uh, not knowing anybody and traveling around. That was a bit scary. Uh, I traveled all over the world, some places that, uh, you know, it's not, a, not as great as our country, Canada. Um, I was in Afghanistan in 2010, 2000, and part of 2011. Uh, but the scariest thing for me was going back to university, believe it or not. Uh, not knowing whether, you know, having some doubts, and I've never had doubts. Um, but again, you have to just trust that, you have to believe it. And now, you know, my successes are speaking for themselves. When you get that first one, uh, it just continues to snowball, right? You, you get that confidence back. But that's not really how it started with me. My first midterm, I failed. Uh, so that was hard. And I went home and I was quite upset and I started to think, did I make the right decision, right? Did I, am, I, am I too old to be here? Uh, it's been nine years since I've done any calculus, right? And uh, after the, the class average for that was like at 46 or something, like half the course dropped it and I was like, no, this is not happening. And I put everything back into it. I ended up getting a 96 on the final. Still didn't get me the best mark overall, mm -hmm. but everyone, every mark since that's been like A's and A pluses, right? So it's just, I got kicked down a little bit, uh, made me a little bit more humble, and I was like, I'm gonna put everything into it, because if you look back on it, I didn't put as much into it as I should have, studying and you know managing my time. So I knew that was on me, right? It wasn't off, it wasn't, uh, you know, what else is going on in my life is I didn't put the time and effort into it. So when I did, and I got the result I wanted, mm -hmm. I was like, that's, that's what I expect. And then I just continued to snowball with that. It's like, man, I did that. I came back from that craving. What would you say the difference between courage and confidence is? Just even with test taking or going into certain situations within the military and are they one of your values, courage or confidence? 
Yeah, I'm, they're both my values for sure. Uh, I would say confidence uh, is is having you know the belief that you can do it, and and, uh, and but courage to me is you're unsure if you can really do it, but you're going to take that attempt anyways, right? And then once you, you you overcome that, you know, that that bravery and stuff, then you get the confidence, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I've done it before, I can do it again, mm -hmm. for sure. Love that. So what are some things that you're passionate about, my man? And how do you take a stand for those things? How do you engage? Um, I'm, I'm passionate about, again, like when people would say, unsure whether or not I could do something, and I'd be like, I can do this, right? So I'm, I'm passionate about kind of, it's funny, when I was, I was at a party when I first got in the university, and there was some guy, and uh, he was after having a few drinks, and he looked at my hand tattoo, and he's like, you're in business? He's like, how's that hand tattoo? And I'm like, man, if anybody don't want to employ me because I have a hand tattoo, like, I don't want to work for them anyways, right? So like, crushing those barriers and like, turning down that, uh, those stereotypes maybe that you know this archaic way of thinking that you have to look a certain part to do a certain job or you have to you know play within these archaic rules right uh, that's something I'm passionate about just doing that and being you know, unapologetically me right mm. Love that. I love that. And how do you? Yeah. You want it? You want it? Ten minutes. You better go. All right. Well, what I'm gonna say is. Um, with that, you know, so how how do you take a stand in breaking down those barriers, not only personally within your own life, but for the community in um, which you're a part of, which is SMU and outside of SMU, whichever communities you're part of, how do you make sure that you're actively breaking down those barriers so others can see that they can do it as well? Yeah, I mean, the, the I, I, pre I prepare hard and I work hard and to get uh, the results that I want. So once I achieve what I want, once I, I, I break down that barrier, and once I make you know uh, one big leap forward, my, my goal is by doing that, right, it can not only change the way some, like some people think of, okay, sure, you know, you can, you can do really well in school after being out for nine years, right? You can relearn calculus that you didn't really learn in high school anyways. You can, uh, you can do really well on not just your academics, but your extracurricular activities. You want to find that balance. So when I want people to be like, well, he, he did that. Uh, he's got this job coming up. He's got these hand tattoos, but his work ethic and his you know his intelligence and is not uh, any lesser because of it. But then. The bigger part is I want people to see who might not have the confidence that I have to do that, to be like, well, it can be done, and it is changing. We're changing, like you said earlier. These stigmas are, are changing. Like, I think had I been 19 and went to university, it may very well have been different. It would have been different in the sense that I didn't have like experiences I have. I didn't have, you know, the... I had to drive, but not necessarily for academic excellence. It was for something quite different, travel, uh, meeting new people, trying new things, getting out of my comfort zone. But uh, but now, it's 
yeah, I just want to want people to see that on both sides of the spectrum, from the one who's not really sure if they can do it, that they can, and from the one who would probably judge in the beginning, to be like, I should probably rethink the way I think and why I think this way. Right? Mm-hmm. And why you think that way, that's key. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, I mean, you're, <clears throat> it's exciting hearing how grounded you are in that. Because that's authentic, you know what I mean? You're talking about being your authentic self and staying true to that. Um, and, right. and, and I mean, it's a constant, it's a daily battle for everyone, mm-hmm. um, for some more than others, uh, especially, you know, if you want to talk about stigmas or institutions or kind of the, the broader cultural themes that we have playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're talking about it, you know, you're very focused on creating your own authentic narrative. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so in talking about that, could you shed a little bit of light on, on what that looks like for you? Right now you're a student, that's mm-hmm. a tool. It's a tool you're using towards a bigger vision, and I know you have it. Absolutely. Um, so if you could sprinkle a little bit of light on, on some of those things, my man. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, again, I, I do try... Uh, to, to be authentic and be, you know, just just who I am. Um, bigger goals, and I've said this before. Like I was, I got this scholarship, uh, Canada's Outstanding CEO Leader Futures Fund, for like uh, business students, ten business students from across Canada were chosen, and they flew us to Toronto for uh, the CEO uh, Canada's Outstanding CEO of the Year award gala, wow. and there was like a bunch of you know, CEOs from all across Canada, Bombardier, Air Canada, stuff like that. And uh, they had a lady there from uh, the Business News Network, and she asked a question very similar to, like, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And, again, my answer was uh, that I honestly don't really know. I have goals, right? But I find if I stick true to my values and make decisions based on what I want, right, I'm going to be where I want to be. You know, I have obviously some more specific things, which uh, career-wise and whatnot and, and the changes I want to make, but uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to work on those first before I give away all my, uh, all my provisions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I just... I've always done that, man, where I just, I make decisions based on what I want, right? I've had, obviously, plans, and when when I veer off of that plan, that's fine. I don't look back and go, oh, this, I'm, I'm losing something here, I need to get back here. I'm like, oh, look, that's another, uh, and that's another great road to go, and I'm going to do that, because I'm enjoying this right now, right? I thought before I wanted to get out of the military and open up a dive shop, I was a diver in the military, right? And as, so I went to university for business, but then I got more into economics and finance. I found that very interesting. I'm like, this is, this is a route I want to explore. So I, I don't, I can still come back to that dive shop for sure, right? But I don't look at that as, okay, that was a goal that I didn't achieve. I'm like, my, my goals are changing, right? Where I want to be right now is right here. You know, where I'm going to want to be in five years is, is going to be exactly where I am because of those decisions and stuff. So with that, uh, staying grounded in the process, day to day, moment to moment, minute to minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the now. In the now, 
with a lot of noise more than ever. And every day it's it grows and it grows and distractions grow. Um, and whether it's people around you or your environment in whatever way that looks like, um, are constantly pulling you in different directions that are not necessarily the directions that you and your true values want to go. What is the way that you anchor down? I think sometimes I, I, I take, you know, uh, I take breaks. For one, I, I, I did summer courses, right? I did uh, 15 credits in summer 2016 and uh, 15 credits summer 2017, right? So since September 2015, I'm in non-stop school. And that's where I started to get burnt out at the mm. end of the summer, right? And I started to, to feel that academically and then mentally, for sure, right? Uh, so I just took a time out, man. Sometimes I take time out and just not do anything, right? Just, if I want to get up and go for a little run, come back and get in the bathtub for an hour, I do that. Mm -hmm. I just focus on myself and then if I want to go grocery shopping or whatever, any mundane thing, I just do it and I not, okay, this is time where I should be working on my goal. It's like I've worked very hard, I can take a break, right? Mm -hmm. So I find that gets me grounded again, but it, it, it more so just gives my, you know, my head that break that it desperately needs that sometimes, uh, you know, people, I guess, like you and I are just you know, too stubborn, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, we're like, oh, we got to maximize every minute, right, but sometimes you don't, and that helps, I find. Did you agree with you, and, and from experience as well, coming from a very similar place, mm -hmm. um, like until I stepped away from football, I didn't stop running from the time I came into St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't learn the need for self-care or boundaries or any of those kind of things because I was like, oh, I'm going to just do it. Yeah. And, and, and I know it's a, it's a big thing that can run us all the time. Sink or swim. So mm -hmm. I'll take it on. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. Oh, I don't know how to do it yet. I'll do it. I'll yeah. do it. Um, even if people are saying, oh, well, you have too much on your plate or this. And, I'll find out what my balance is when I start to sink. Yeah. Um, but you know, I had to step back and I had to step away from something I love mm -hmm. to find self-care in a big way. Um, and so for you, like, what has that process been like? You know, like in terms of self-care and burning yourself out, and then okay, regrouping. Um, what has that process been in terms of? Starting to identify and notice, okay, I'm starting to burn. Yeah. I need that time. I need it. No, I, I like that analogy, sink or swim, because that's, uh, I think I really saw kind of my last year. Uh, I, academically, in my extracurriculars, I was like, I'm, I am i wouldn't say no to anything, right? I'm like, this is a great opportunity. Absolutely, I want to do this. Mm. This is a great opportunity. And then I did find because I, before the year before that I took on more and I was still doing really well. So I took on even even more, right? But then uh, you quickly realize, and then, but you won't find that right until until you, you get there. Yeah. But then, like, I find, I feel like I'm letting people down because I'm saying no to things. I'm like, that's such a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I think most people understand that, right? And, and that was one of the harder things for me to realize is that sometimes you have to say no and that's not, you know, that's not 
uh, anything bad, you shouldn't feel bad about that. You have to take the time for self-care. You have to, because if you don't, you know, the things that you are saying yes to are, are going to be negatively impacted. I'd rather do really well on three things than mediocre on ten. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Boys, I'm ready for story time, man. I'm ready for story time. Tell us about um, your most resilient moment. So I was a diver in the military, and I was 21 when I did uh, the dive course. And it's a very intensive physical course, right? Six weeks, uh, you're not allowed to walk anywhere. You run, you swim, you dive, and you do that for 14 hours a day, right? It's, it's hard. You know, we started with uh, 31 people. We lost 10 in the first day, right? Um, so I started that. I'm, I was never strong, but always a good runner. My cardio was always good. So I started that out being the fastest runner, but I could barely do 19 push-ups, you know what I mean? Um, so that that growth was, was big for me. I was a fast runner, fast swimmer, um, but I've always found it difficult to do like you know, pull-ups and stuff like that. But after after the first two weeks, pretty much everybody that's there is, is going to continue to be there. They've gone through the hardest part, right? You have four more weeks. It's still hard, but at that point, you know, your body's adapted. You, you, you've got, uh, you, I, I wouldn't say you're getting comfortable by any means, but you kind of know uh, how, how it works, right? And you get into, into that system of, uh, of thinking and, and physically your body adapts. But I got... Tenonitis on week four, uh, be a really bad crunching sound. And I would have to like limp when I was running and stuff, and it almost broke me. I, I knew that like this could end me because injuries are just like besides uh, you know mentally people not being able to do it. Injuries are definitely the biggest, the uh, second biggest reason why people don't finish. Mm -hmm. But uh, at that point, the doc was like, I, you, I'm not going to recommend that you not be able to continue with this. He's like, but I want you to take time to, you know, not push yourself as hard. Which for me, it was like, if I show the people who are, uh, who, who are my bosses here, who are running programs, that I'm not giving it my all, that's, that's never good. It's a teamwork thing. If I can't pull my own weight, then it affects me mentally, and, and that would you know that affect them right on how they see me. But they gave me uh, flexibility there. I had two days where I had to do everything besides the running, right? And it eventually healed to where I could run, not as well. But at that point, I've already proven myself. And I think a lot of them saw that. So mentally that was hard for me because I thought I was going to have to not finish something that I put a lot of time and effort into. Uh, but I had some good some good bosses, some good people that understood that sometimes things are outside of your control and that doesn't take away from me as a diver, as a candidate to be a diver, right? So I think that, that would have been one of my... And the course itself was incredibly 
incredibly difficult. I'd imagine, right? It was one of the most proud moments of my life, too, when you finally finish at the end of this. And, uh, you know, there's nine of us finished. Out of 31. Out of 31. Yeah. Respect, man. Respect. It was good, man. And I enjoyed it, for sure. Looking back at it, I was like, what am I doing? Right? It was <laughs> I'm getting up at five and everything is sore and you're just and it's cold and you gotta run and it's like, is this worth it? Yeah. That is. You're very active on uh, social media, Instagram, in terms of sharing your activity uh, with stocks, uh -huh. right? So, and I think I think that's that's good because it's making it's creating the conversation. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So was there any intent on that? Or was that kind of like, well, hey, just kind of speaking to the audience? Did yeah. You... Yeah, I have friends that ask. Like, I did not know much about investing or, or anything. Uh, and I, I truly believe that there, sh there should be more about uh, finance and, and, and you know, how, to, how to be do well with your money in high school, right? Like, this, we don't learn this stuff, or at least I didn't. No one learns this stuff. Yeah. And so you get out there, like you don't realize the the huge, you know, I would say waste by not investing, not saving earlier. Even though you know my parents always say you save twenty five dollars a week or or whatever, right? Nobody listens to it. But like what I've learned just in like two years of finance, right? It's like wow, these are key key times, especially for myself. Uh, I'm, I'm older, right? The, those first five ten years are critical. For, for saving, not saying that you can't, you just have to invest a lot more, right? Um, but but yeah, like I, I just, I started probably a year and a half ago and I've just enjoyed it so much and, and, and like some of my returns have been doing quite well. So I shared at my friends and they're just always asking questions. So I'm like, if people are asking questions, I'm just gonna post some stuff. And you know, if they have questions, they'll ask, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I never give, uh, advice is like you have to do your research, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, and because I would never want to to say this is a good investment or that's a good investment, right? You have to do your own research, and, and that's why I think it's, people should really, uh, well, young people should really learn more about it, right? Because you got to look forward. And I say that I go off on, you know, tangents. My my goal line doesn't look straight, right? It's like a tree it branches off now I know I'm going to get to the to the end eventually but how did it prepare for it I think if anything somebody can see that and go maybe I should start investing right so in that I mean in, in there's a little bit of a message there as well um, but to, you know having to pay attention to trends and stuff like that and being able mm -hmm. to get outside of your comfort zone and take some risk yeah um, because we I think, I think culturally, socially, like we're, risk is a bad thing. Yeah, um, people don't want to take risks. Yeah. You don't want to be uncomfortable. It's, it's, uh, we champion the opposite. Yeah. The easy wins, the quick wins, um, versus the, the longer wins. Um, and failure is a dirty word. Like for me, I don't, I don't, I don't even believe, I don't think you can fail. Like to me, only failing is if you don't do something. Yeah. Like if you, if you learn, you that's a win. If you learn, or you know what I mean, you're constantly building momentum. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. You can fail four hundred times, then all of a sudden you have an invention that is worth a billion dollars. Did you 
fail or was it research? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's, it's the mentality you know, that you have to have. What you're right? talking about. Coming back to that risk, I I would say I have a higher risk tolerance than most, but that, like my parents and, and them, God love them, they're looking out for me, right? Like going from the military, which is a very comfort, right? Got paid quite well uh, and it was very secure. And people, that's what people look for is that security. But I was like, it's not what I wanted to do anymore, right? It changed, right? As I changed. And so now I wanted to take the risk. And it's like, I'd much rather be at the bottom rung of the ladder that I want to climb than the top of one I don't, right? Mm. That's huge. So, so in that, uh, to bring it back, and, and if you had one message to give to a younger voice, what would that be? I wouldn't change anything really, but I think I, what, what I would say is that, sh sure, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it will be worth it. I'm going to ask one more question, man, before the final one. Sure. But you hold a couple positions on campus, correct? Yes. So what can you go over some of those for me and what, what the mission is? For sure. For uh, so I'm, I'm anyways, uh, from Labrador. And I'm the co-president of the Indigenous Student Society at St. Mary's University. And St. Mary's has been doing uh, leaps and bounds for their Indigenous students recently. And that's thanks to a lot of other uh, people within the Indigenous community, as well as faculty and staff have been on board too, and helping you know, get the things that Indigenous students require. Uh, so. We've done a lot in the last year. We're still doing a lot. We're, we're actually doing the first uh, ever Indigenous night. Mm. It'll be in March. Okay. So we're working on that. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll send out the formal invitations Please. as soon as they're as soon as they're done. But we're looking forward to that, man. Just getting more recognition out there for Indigenous students, right? Because, like I said, I want to I want to break those barriers. I want to I want to change how people see myself, but when indigenous students see me doing well, I'm hoping that's going to inspire them to do well, right? That's that'd be my ideal, for sure. Respect on that. Okay, and last but not least, you've, you've given us a lot of knowledge today, but uh, what do you hope people can take away from your story here today? I've struggled again with, like, my identity, right? So I, I want anybody that can that watch this or see it, right? To know, you know, maybe you've been thinking that way too. Maybe, maybe you've been thinking that uh, I'm not cut out to do this, or I'm not good enough to do this, or it's not people like me who do things like this. To question that because it's absolutely not true, right? You can do anything you want. As cliche as that sounds, and as long as you try. You'll, you'll win that. So in that, in that faith in the process, that trusting in the process and being authentic, you're talking about seeing is believing in a big way and creating that image for other people to see for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, without giving away too much of the vision and mm -hmm. the juice, I won't, I won't ask for that. But what, what's, what's the next step for boys? Um, graduation, I want to get my family out there, uh, mm -hmm. you know, come
come come to my world, it's hard to go from rural Labrador to, to here, and it's expensive. Uh, so I, I want to get them out here and and do that you know that break for a bit, reground myself with my family, and uh, then I'm getting back in the workforce. And from there, I have a, a plan on where I want to be, and. Uh, Without giving out too much specifics, uh, I guess graduation is next and just some family time. And then some big, big stuff. You're going to be following you all the way, my man. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, 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 Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get you out, we're going to get your official sign off. My name is Boyce, and this is my voice.